I will build my church upon this rock, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Father, we ask that you would speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. Please be seated. I'm not sure if you were looking around as you drove in this morning, uh, but just a few lots down from us, they're building. They're building, uh, uh, they've removed some underbrush, they cut down some trees, removed all the roots, and uh, they have some diggers and excavators pushing around quite a bit of sand and dirt. Well, uh, if you've ever seen any construction done here in New Smyrna or in Florida, we build a lot upon dirt. Uh, but Peter and Jesus are talking to us about building upon the rock. What is it like to build on the rock? And just to kind of give you an example of, of building upon the sand, um, about 40 years ago, uh, we started building here, or almost 40 years ago, about 35 years ago, we built, started building on this property, and uh, we, we put some bathrooms in. And uh, we put, we dug a trench, we put some piping in there, um, and as the rains come and go and the storms of life come, the, the sands have shifted. And uh, now what looked like a straight piece of PVC has bowed and bent and cracked. And, and what Jesus is talking to us about here is what foundations have we built our life upon? Are they built upon a rock, something that's firm, something that's immovable? Or is it something that can shift with every which way the wind blows or the rain goes? So today what Jesus is telling us as we're looking at the Feast of the Confession of St. Peter, and yeah, that's why we're wearing white instead of green. Green is normally what we wear during the Epiphany season, but there's two amazing feasts that fall in the Feast of Epiphany, in, during the season of Epiphany. And that, that's the, the, the idea of the Confession of St. Peter, which is this week. And the next week, we'll be looking at the conversion of St. Paul, the way that God speaks to us. And sometimes it's in very, very abrupt ways, like Paul next week, or sometimes it's just in the very everyday nature of our life, the way we live our life. And God speaks to us when we're on the rocks, if you want to think of it that way. God speaks to us when we're on the rocks. And what we do is we're looking at how we are built on the rock of Jesus Christ, we are grounded in the Father's love, and then we go in the power of the Spirit. That's what we see in these verses that we just read in Matthew chapter 16. We see that life can shift stuff around, but, but as it says there in, in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, whoever hears my words will be like one who built their house upon the rock. God speaks to us in the everyday nature of our encounters with him and with our encounters with one another and the circumstances of life. Now, here's the thing. Um, if I had to ask you if you were at a dinner party or had to introduce yourself to someone, and I said, please describe to somebody who you are, you're going to reference something outside of you to tell people who you are. I'm a grandma. I'm a priest. Or you're going to say, you know, I'm a mechanic. I'm an architect. I'm a contractor. There's a bunch of things that you're going to tell me about yourself, and it's all going to be external to you. That's what you're going to do. Almost everything outside of you helps describe who you are, but that's not who you necessarily are. And some of the things that you describe change. I'm a student. Well, are you always a student? What we find out here is that Jesus is asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? 
if you enter and introduce me to people, who would you say that I am? And some are saying, well, some say Jeremiah, some say a prophet, some say a good teacher, some say this, some say that. And it seems to change. What I love about this church is that you saw our strap line. We gather in Christ's name. We gather here, but we are very, very different. Every single person here is unique and different. Um, what unites us is the fact that we gather around Jesus. And even your experience of Jesus versus my experience of Jesus is going to be fundamentally different. Um, Jesus in John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's only one way to the Father, right? But guess what? There's 8.2 billion ways to Jesus on this planet. There's many ways to Jesus as there are souls on this planet. What do I mean by that? Your way of getting to Jesus and getting to know him is going to be different than mine because you're different than me. And Jesus asks us to interact with him, to come to him. And so he's saying, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's, it's interesting because it's, it's almost like they've got this homework question. And instead of getting the answer, they're saying, well, that person says that and that person says that. And Jesus is like, okay, wait. I'm not asking what other people say. I don't want to know about their story. What about your story? What about you and me? Who do you say that I am? We're gathered. We all gather here because Jesus has called us. And, and we grow because the truth of the matter is that our experience of Jesus is going to grow as we get to know him better. You don't have to have it all sorted out. Jesus called his disciples and spent three whole years with them, and they still spent three years figuring it out, and they still didn't get it. So we should be disciples, right? Which means lifelong learners. It's, it's amazing that a year ago, uh, Bishop Brewer was here uh, at my celebration in new ministry on the Feast of the Confession of St. Peter. It's kind of like our patronal feast, if you want to think about that. That's the founding of this church. It's called Peter the Fisherman. We're named after the guy Peter. I'm named after the guy Peter. I think God had a sense of humor. But the point is, is that Jesus says, yeah, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, you know, we hear that, we're like, wow, that's an amazing confession of faith. Let's make a whole feast day out of it. We even come up with a collect and a preface and a whole liturgy for this thing. But if you rewind and go all the way back 21 centuries ago, what, what's happening here? Well, first of all, they're in Caesarea Philippi, so they're way up north, almost on the foot of Mount Hermon. They're outside of the territorial jurisdiction of King Herod. So they're outside of that, so they can't be blamed with saying anything naughty or, you know, being traitors or insurrectionists or anything like that. And they say, Jesus, who do you say that I am? Are you oh, a prophet, a teacher? And he says, no, you are the Christ, the Messiah, which back then that was, didn't mean that he was the second person of the Trinity. What it meant was they saw him as this amazing political leader who would restore the kingdom of ancient Israel. So hence why they wouldn't want to say that down in Jerusalem or even in Nazareth, which is still, you know, inside that jurisdiction. They want to be up in Caesarea Philippi where they're away from everybody else. So Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, which even son of the living God doesn't mean it's, you know, Jesus, the, 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 the second person of the Trinity. It means that it's similar to what they said in Rome, that Julius Caesar was a son of the gods, or what they said about the Babylonian kings. They were sons of the gods. Kings were seen as semi-divine, so it's not necessarily saying that he's got it all sorted. He's still Peter is still figuring out who Jesus is. So Jesus gathers us in his name, and then 
we grow. We're grounded in the Father's love. And that's what keeps developing us through the years. So the second thing is that he, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. What grounds you? What, what outside of you helps define you? And those things may change. They may not change. But is it something that's grounded, something that won't shift when the storms of life come? I remember um, I was, it was 2003. I was up in Clayton, Georgia. And I was, it was a weekend where I was away from Fort Benning, Georgia, which has now been renamed to Fort Liberty. But it was a, it was a weekend that I had off, and I was at the infantry captain's course. And uh, a year prior to that, I just finished the special forces selection. Um, so I was, like, working out three times a day, and I was running a six-minute mile. Good luck if I'm running that now. I promise you that. <laughs> Come with a run with me, and you'd probably be faster than I am now. But I remember I was like, man, I can do this. I'm running pretty fast and whatnot. And so I'm up in Clayton, Georgia, and I'm walking in the Appalachian Mountains, and I step on this little stone. It's wet and mossy, and uh, my foot steps on it, and it slips off. And here's my ankle, and here's my little tibia bone. And as I step, the ankle just snaps that little bit right there. Well, needless to say, my ankle went from, like, this size to the size of a grapefruit, and then I get back to good old socialized American medicine at Fort Benning, Georgia, and they say, our x-ray tech isn't in. Take two Motrin and call us. It was a Friday, right? <laughs> call us on Monday. And they give me some crutches. Anyways, I digress. The point is, is that I got it all done for free. But what I did discover was that I couldn't finish the infantry captain's career course. I had to recycle. And I had to do it all again because they said, you can't do a PT test. You got to do, you spent six months here. Guess what? You get to do another six months. So what do you build your foundation on? Is it on your health? Is it on your achievements? The things that you do so well? And then all of a sudden, the storms of life come and they shake it all up. What grounds you? What are you grounded in? Or are you grounded in the Father's love? You see, in the Old Testament, there's a variety of pictures that we get. We get a lot of pictures in the New Testament for who God is. But there, there's a, one of the pictures you get in the Old Testament is the idea of God as Father. But it's not the predominant picture that you get. The predominant picture you get from Jesus of God in heaven is that of Father. And in fact, when he talks about God and when he addresses him in prayer, it's always Father, Father, Father. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. It's grounded not in anything that Peter had done, or even the fact that Peter had this great faith or was a great confession. Because sometimes people look at that confession of St. Peter and say, what founds the church, the foundation of it is Peter. Amazing man, right? Guess what? Grounded in the Father's love. That's what defines him, not his performance. Because sometimes a lectionary leaves things off and it's good to bracket if you bracket this little portion of Scripture, you just go a few verses after this. Jesus says, it's necessary that the Messiah should go to Jerusalem, suffer and die and be crucified. And Peter says, heck no. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. So think about it. If, is it grounded in your performance? Is it grounded in the merit of how much faith you have or don't have? No. It's grounded in the Father's love. 
It's not about the storms of life. Because if it were, as Mark Twain said, if getting to heaven was by works and not by grace, your dog would get into heaven and you wouldn't. (laughs) And I'm really glad that we're saved by grace and not by faith. We're grounded in the Father's love, which leads me to the last point, is that we're empowered by the Spirit. We're empowered by the Spirit. What do I mean by that? Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. We don't have the capacity to wrap our head around how loving God is, how amazing He is. We really don't. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. The Spirit is the one that makes Christ known to us. He gives light and life to the people of God, right? We say we believe in the Holy Spirit. We're going to say that in the Nicene Creed soon. He gives light and life to us. And not only does he give that to us so that we can can see who Jesus is, but we can then go and spread that light. That's what we read in the book of Acts. Peter's not just confessing in some sort of theoretical fashion, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. But because Jesus is the Messiah and he's ushering in this new kingdom, this new kingdom means that the blind get to see. The, the, the people that are brokenhearted get to have their hearts bound up again. People that are lame get to walk again. That's what the kingdom brings. And that's exactly what he said there in Acts 2. The Spirit empowers us. What have you built your foundation of your life on? What have I built my life on? It's probably not a bad thing, but is it an unchangeable thing? I remember I was reading uh, during my module of American Church History, and I was reading the diary of Nathan Cole, which is a firsthand account of, of this gentleman, well, I would say gentleman, but he was a farmer uh, in, in New England in 1740. And he encountered an Anglican priest by the name of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was preaching. And as he was preaching, you can preach the best sermon ever and think you've explained the gospel and who Jesus is and doesn't make a sense. But then all of a sudden, the Spirit just opened Nathan Cole's eyes and opened his heart. And he wrote, wrote this in his diary. He said, I had a heart wound. My old foundation was broken up. I realized my own righteousness couldn't save me. And it radically changed the way that he looked at himself, the way that he looked at everyone else around him. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us. That as we look at the world and as we look at God, confession is saying a lot about who we think God is, but it's also saying who we are. And we ask God and we say, Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Let me see people the way that you see them. Let me see the world the way that you see it, not the way that I see it. So, Father, we thank you that in this feast of the confession of St. Peter, we are gathered in Christ. We grow in the Father's love. We're grounded on that love. And then we are sent out to talk about this amazing, precious cornerstone in the power of your spirit. Amen.